Welcome in, and thanks for joining us once again on the Red Rock Sports Podcast. I am, of course, Jared All. Alongside me, as always, Connor Holskamp and Ryan Smith. What's up, guys? If you guys want to interact with the show, you can follow us on Twitter. We are at Red Rock Sports One. Coming up on today's show, we will take our first peek at the Denver Broncos 2021 regular season schedule. And we got first round of playoffs starting, boys, NHL and NBA. So we're going to make some predictions. We're going to talk about the breakdown each series, see what we think for both the Nuggets and the Avalanche, the latter of which has already started their playoff series. The Avalanche get a win last night over the Blues, take them down 4-2-1. Did you guys get a chance to watch the game last night? I did. Oh, yeah. Wouldn't all right. It. All right. Everyone's into it finally. All right. <laughs> finally getting a little action. I even stayed up later than my bedtime, man. I got permission from my wife and everything. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> well, it didn't start till 830, I so know. you're already a half hour over. I know. And then and then Wednesday's night. Wednesday's game's the same thing. Uh, just, Wednesday's game, isn't it later? Maybe, I don't know. I don't it's know. I it's not early. I, I can know, tell I you that I think this time much. was 8 o'clock, but by the time it really rolls around, it's like 830. Yeah. So, ab- yeah. Ab- at least hockey games are somewhat concise. You know, I, I noticed. Uh, uh, on the the NFL no, normally does the double back-to-back Monday night game to start this year, which the Broncos always seem to be in, and that's brutal. Not that game starting year. at 8.30. Not this year. There's only <laughs> one game. I guess not enough people uh, are tuning into that late night game, but I digress. Uh, getting back to the Colorado Avalanche, guys, they were dominant. I think there was a short period of time during that second period when the game was tied that it seemed like maybe the Blues were getting a little bit of momentum, but frankly, start to finish, I think that was about as good as you could have hoped to see the Avalanche look. No fall off from what we saw this last week or two from the Avalanche. Yeah, no, it was great. Uh, really good to see you come out, have a dominant performance like that. They they get on the board first, they score first, which is really big for the avalanche you know i mean it's really big in in any hockey game really so um and just the pressure they were able to put onto him they were out shooting them you know early and often and just throwing puck onto the net and you know i don't know if you i'm sure you remember jared i'm sure our listeners remember too a couple years ago this was a thing with the avalanche It, it almost seemed like they got a little bit too finesse at times you had all these great skaters and they were just trying to pick for their opportunity and they were getting outshot a lot, and we and you know the Avalanche were still good a couple of seasons ago, but that seems to have been corrected, and that's really good. It to has see. been a complete one hundred and eighty for the Avalanche. They outshot the the Blues forty nine to twenty three in that game, and it wasn't and it wasn't just you know throwing pucks at the net. I mean, those were a lot of good scoring opportunities. It's good look. Frankly, there could have been three or four more goals scored in that game. Yeah. Uh, the Blues goalie actually had a really good game despite giving up four goals. One of them being an empty netter. He was just getting peppered though, man. Like like if if you only put twenty three shots against Grubauer, he's going to look like the best goalie in the league. And he did. He looked very good. His one goal that he let up, uh, you know, it was it was a, a cross eyes pass, and it was a great shot. And what can you do? You're going to have those happen. But Grubauer looked great. And the first line for the Avalanche, it Looking just – every time I watch the Avalanche play, it, it's just – it's an unstoppable line. I think we're, we need to start talking about them not only among the all-time great Avalanche – first lines but i think all-time great in the nhl in nhl history last night they scored three goals had five assists and had 16 shots between miko rantanen wow. uh nathan mckinnon and and, and uh, landis 
I just, you know, I want to point a little bit, uh, uh, shed a little bit of light on on Gabriel Landeskog. I think one of the things, Connor, to what you were just talking about in the past, this Avalanche team has always been viewed as a finesse team. They're a team that once they got to the playoffs, they really, really struggled with the physicality, and that's how teams shut them down. That's what the Blues tried to do to the Avalanche last night. They were very physical. They were attacking, especially this front line. Guys like Nathan McKinnon, that's how you slow down a speedster like that. And I, I just want to point out what uh, Gabriel Landeskog did in that first period. I, I think it kind of goes unnoticed by a lot of fans. He picked a fight. He saw these guys getting aggressive, and he said, I'm not having any of it. And he had his guys back. He went out to them, not only picked a fight, but beat the crap out of the dude. <laughs> drove him into the ice. It was great to see. I love that. It I love like that physicality. I uh, picked a fight with you. Oh, Connor, <laughs> Connor, Connor. Oh. You know you know what? I'm not even going to argue. Hey, I hey, haven't been in a fight since a, I was like eight years old. I, I don't even I know how I, I don't know if I've ever been in a fight. But neither here nor there. Hey, you know what's great to see about that? I mean, uh, so so you bring up Landeskog. Getting the Gordie Howe hat trick. Now, which I just learned about last night. Admittedly, I had to is. look this up, all right? <laughs> I, I had to look this up. Now, a Gordie Howe hat trick, for, for those who may be like me and did not realize what it was, uh, is when a player scores a goal, gets an assist, and gets in a fight in a, in a hockey game. Uh, named after the... Uh, I don't know where Gordy Pla- Howe he played. He played for a be, couple. Of, he played I, for I, a yeah. long time. So yeah, he had a, a record number of professional hockey games, just over 2,400 hockey games. And you know what's funny about it is Gordy Howe, with a record number of professional hockey games, only actually got the Gordy Howe hat trick twice. <laughs> so, you know, it's a... Uh, uh, it's interesting. It's not like it's not like this guy was getting it all the time, and it's actually a pretty rare feat. It's not nothing that's like you know you might just say, "Oh, great, you get a fight, an assist, and a goal." But that's actually kind of a rare accomplishment because a lot of the times the players who are getting that production aren't getting into the fights. They're not the ones enforcing picking the fights. So, and that's what I love to, to see, see out of your. I was gonna say out of your captain. That is leadership, if I've ever seen it. That is him getting his team behind him and saying, "I got you guys. Don't worry about this." By the way, shame on us. Uh, Gordy Howe played 26 seasons in the NHL. 25. I was going to say we're with the Detroit Red Wings for the Red Wings. Yeah, and and, and that was back in the day when um, they didn't play with helmets. 20, no, and he was one of the last seasons. that I, I know of that wasn't wearing a helmet. Uh, yeah, 26 seasons. 26 seasons in the NHL. That I don't even know if impressive. I could do 26 years of anything, including what is, being a father. What is Tom Brady <laughs> coming up? <laughs> Kidding. Joke. I love my kid. Well, I She's mean. Amazing. Let's be honest, Connor. Like if she's twenty six. Once she's twenty six years old, I mean, she's probably to the point where she should be taking care of you at that point. All right? Right? Yeah, yeah. Hey, I'm gonna be a young dad. All right. It's true. When she's twenty six, I'll be what? Uh, God, math. <laughs> I will be f- the the, the forty nine. I, I will be forty nine. I bet you she could do that math for you. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> I'll be forty nine. Anyways, uh, it was great. You know what I love to see about him doing that? It it really seemed to change the energy of the game. Uh, I think that the Blues came out and they were they were looking to get into the Avalanche physically. They were looking to... I mean, they, they see the blueprint, right? Last year of the team that beat the Avalanche, which is the Dallas Stars. Um, and they, they had that, that same blueprint. They came at them. They were really physical. They, you know, hey, cheap shot, not cheap shot. We could argue all day about that. But they were clearly coming, trying to send a message. We are not going to let you run all over us. 
And Gabe Landeskog came right back and, and said, hey, we're not going to take this either. And I think from that point forward, it really seemed like the physicality was matched between the two teams. And, and honestly, I, I, I feel like, and it could just be my bias looking at it, but it seems as if some of these cheap shots lessened. It, it seems as if they yeah. were like, okay, well, I don't want to... Yeah, get, no, get I think the message was sent that... that they're not going to be bullied, that the Avalanche weren't going to allow themselves to be bullied. And I think uh, when from a team like the Blues trying to do that, they know they're outmatched um, as far as pure talent. They're not going to ever outscore the Avalanche in a game. And so I think what you're trying to do, even more so than, than you know being physical and necessarily bullying them, I think you're trying to get in their heads. And then when, when somebody comes right back at you, and, and I think Landeskog really, really sent the message that, no, no, you're not getting in our heads. You're not going to mess with us. You get physical with us, we will get physical right back with you. Yeah, there was another there was another play that stood out to me last night, too. There was a, there was a puck behind the net. It was later in the game, a puck behind the net, and I believe it was Nathan McKinnon was, uh, was, was ultimately he took possession of it, but there was a Blues player that just came flying in, ready to put him on the boards, and I th- again, I thought it, I think it was McKinnon, but he just stuck a skate in the ice and nearly knocked the Blues player over. He had no momentum, and they took possession of the puck, and and it was just one of those things where it's like, yeah, the physicality is matched now. It's not just we're not just a or the Abs aren't just just a fly around team score a lot of points. It's like yeah, we'll hit you too. Don't worry about it. Yeah, and how about Nathan McKinnon just. Uh from watching him as a 18 year old 17 year old i think right he was young uh coming in he was a young <laughs> a young kid coming in uh playing for the avalanche just watching the transformation of Nathan McKinnon has been awesome. He he is no longer that toothpick little you know boy who's skating around. Uh, granted, Nathan McKinnon was always an excellent skater. He was always very fast, but now he has a lot of the. He's beefed up a lot. You know what I mean? He is. He he doesn't take it from anyone and. Uh, you know, he kind of reminds me. He's. It's interesting because we've had two obviously great players that uh, that come. We've had many great players, but two great players that come to mind in Avalanche history: uh, Forsberg, Peter Forsberg, and Joe Sakic. I I see a little bit of both of their game in Nathan McKinnon. It's almost like a combination, right? I mean, yeah. he's got the the physicality of a Forsberg, right? Not quite. I mean, no one's gonna match. I mean, he's not gonna match the brutal physicality that Forsberg brought every night. But he's bringing a lot more of it than Sakic did. You know what I mean? But he has that same kind of finesse and skating ability as Sakic. So it's been really interesting to see his maturation to where he is now. And he's still so young. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he is. It's is it is. It's crazy great. to think though that he's been in the league now for what six or seven years. It seems like are already and and as you mentioned, Ryan, he is still so young. And maybe who knows? Maybe he plays twenty six years in the league like Gordy Howe, and and we're just watching him until we're old and gray. Let's see. I'm, I'm just looking it up. Uh, Two thousand thirteen yeah. was his rookie year. Oh boy, math. Yeah, eight. So eight years. Eight years. Wow, that's insane to think about that. All right, guys. Avalanche go up one nothing in the series. You guys think the Blues take any along the way? I do. What? Yeah. Give me I, give me your prediction. Uh, on the series. I have I have the Avalanche in six. Although after watching last night, I think I might go down to five. Well, we'll see. Hey, ask me after next game. We'll yeah, see. I'm, <laughs> but, I'm at five right now. Uh, I I had him with six though. I think. I think, you know, I think St. Louis gets one on, uh, at home. Well, the thing with with hockey games too. I mean, uh, you know, hockey is is similar in some facets to baseball in that um, 
even the best team versus the worst team doesn't necessarily win all that many more games. You know what I mean? I mean, the difference in baseball, right, between a 90-win team uh, and a 70-win team is great. Like, that's a vast difference of games won. But when you really think about it, that's like the the equivalent of football of a couple games. You know what I mean? So... Uh, you get, and I was actually talk, uh, talking the other day with our, our hockey expert, uh, Tyler Walgy about this. And uh, it's interesting because you get a sport like hockey uh, and baseball, which there are so many other factors that come into play, including luck. I mean, you know, all it takes is, is one bounce off the wall to the right guy and it's a breakaway opportunity and he scores a goal. Or on the flip side, you get a goaltender that's going to stand on his head and win a game for you. Well, that happened last um, night with uh, that one shot that the Blues goalie saved in between oh, that, his legs. That wasn't and he, he had was another oh, stomach. But the, no, the, I think the other one was the even more impressive. Yeah, the, yeah. Was with, where with, he with kicks his, up like a scorpion, man. <laughs> yeah, the scorpion. And, and yeah. uh, I think it was Rantanen that was shooting on that one. It and was. he was shocked. He shot that puck. He thought, oh, 100% this is going in the net. And then it came back at him, and he didn't know what to do with it. It was like he was so surprised that, that it did not go in the net. And, it, yeah, you, it, it took going back and watching it again to see, like, wow, just how impressive that was. And and I, could, I don't get it. I don't understand how these goalies – I mean, my hand-eye coordination is bad, but – how you can react so quickly to a tipped pass or a tipped shot, you know, whatever it is, and, and still be able to make these plays, all while carrying like 20 to 30 pounds worth of pads on you along the way. It's insane. Uh, They're so impressive. I still say that somebody needs to have my 600-pound life. One of those guys. I know. So I'm talking a, I am not talking a 300, 400-pound person, right? I'm talking a 600, 700-pound Goliath. Wheel them in and just sit them in front of the goal. I am... I have been all for this strategy, Jared. I, I don't <laughs> see the downside. I there has to be to, a human being out there that is big enough to just block the net. Just I, plop I them down on the ice. I keep trying to come up with a, a reason why that wouldn't work. And I'm like, <laughs> well, you know who what? cares? Honestly, keep him pinned in the net. He doesn't need to come out and get the no, puck and no, move it no around. Reason. Honestly, no. I think it's because they have so much equipment. So just just um, for reference, Philip Grubauer is 6'1", 188 pounds. Wow. And he looks enormous in goal. Right. So... so <laughs> But put in a 600-pound guy with all those the the regulation equipment on him. Whoo! I tell you what. I tell you, hey, I got a million dollar idea right here. I am I am available for a GM position in hockey. I'm just gonna let everyone. <laughs> oh, I know. thought you were gonna say I am available to put on an extra 300 I, hey, pounds. That too. That too. <laughs> Depending on the contract, I think about it. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I, I only a few hundred more pounds to go, right? I mean, I'm, I'm getting there. I, I don't know that the longevity is really gonna pay off with this one, guys. When you you got add on some diabetes and uh, whatever else is coming along the way there. You can strap a skate to a stump. Even if you lose your foot from diabetes, you're cool. Oh, wow. So <laughs> I, I will say, I will say though, to, to get back to it, I do think, I do see the blue. I, it would shock me if the Avs sweep the series, even as dominant as they oh. looked. Uh, hockey's just, it, it's too close and there's too many factors at play to where uh, a sweep is pretty rare. I mean, I even if you're uh, You say so shock, better. I think that's too strong of a word. Yeah, maybe. I won't be surprised if they sweep. I don't expect them to. I think you guys are right. I think it, it's typically you see it happens in game three. Once that home ice switches, you get to St. Louis. That's a Friday night game. Uh, I think you're going to see more in the NHL this year than you have in past. The impact of home ice advantage mainly being because most teams have not had 
a crowd or a very minimal crowd until this point. I know the Avalanche upped their attendance numbers last night. Yeah, seventy five hundred. Uh, it's forty three percent. Yeah. So, and I think around the NHL. Pretty much everybody's doing that. I can't speak specifically to what's happening in St. Louis, but I, I expect them to have fans there. I think it'll have an impact. So I could see Game Three going to the Blues, but it will not shock me if we see. Yeah, I guess that, that all maybe four that's games a way to put it. of exactly what we saw from the Avalanche last night, and they run right through this series. Hey, let's it get it. Let, let's hope that would uh, be great for the Stanley Cup prospects, and you know this this town. Uh, you know this town's a really. Denver gets behind its sports teams, you know. I mean, uh, in, in, in the ways, playoffs, in the playoffs, oh, in the playoffs for sure, no doubt. But um, I mean, hey, if the Rockies could ever get anywhere, then then this is a baseball town too. I I, I still will die on that post, but uh, it, it would be great for the city. You know, let's let's keep it going. I have to say, as a just a general Colorado sports fan, uh, one of the reasons why we created this podcast was because. A lot of the talk that you listen to wherever your outlets are, whether that's a different podcast on this network, which you shouldn't be listening to, listen <laughs> to us instead, or you're finding local radio, what are they always talking about? Even this time of year, even during the playoffs for, for, for hockey, for basketball, they're still talking Broncos. And that was one of the things we really wanted to do is expand that, talk about other things. And I have to say, maybe this is me blinders on paying attention to what we're doing, but it seems like more so than I can ever remember in the past, Denver and Colorado fans are behind that. Everybody wants to get so involved with the Avalanche, with the Nuggets, and could care less about what's happening with the Broncos right now. I think it's a great thing for Colorado. Or the Rockies, for that matter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that other team that's uh, around. We, have, we, we do have a baseball team. No. That we have a baseball team that uh, its purpose is actually more than just to go and drink at the rooftop deck, believe well. it or not. <laughs> I I don't know. You say (laughs) that that's more than their purpose. I don't know about that. Well, Connor, since you bring up the Rockies, I think this is a good time to take a look at Dick's Dollars Ah, and where we we stand year to date. Yeah. For for our new listeners out there, each week, Connor has a rundown of the uh, weekly dollar amount year to date that the Rockies have paid to the, I almost said Arizona Cardinals, to the (laughs) St. Louis Cardinals. St. Louis Cardinals. That's correct. Uh, for the franchise player, Nolan Arenado. So, as of today, what is it? It is Thursday, May 18th. The Rockies have paid the St. Louis Cardinals $8,858,024.69. Thank you. Thank you. So, uh, there's not much to talk about the Rockies, but hey, we will keep tracking those Dick's dollars uh, just, to, just to keep in mind just how much money the Rockies are paying the St. Louis Cardinals to have Nolan on their team while they're in first place. So, and, and rest assured out there for all you Colorado Rockies fans that are dying that we're not talking Rockies, if and when there is news worth reporting, I promise you it will make it on this show. Hey, I love my Rockies, all right? Everybody here knows it. I, mean, I know you guys know it, and, and to you listeners out there, I do not hate on the Rockies. I give them uh, some grief. I mean, the organization has been a disaster, obviously. Uh, I, I vent a little bit. I'm frustrated because I love the Rockies so much, because I truly care about this baseball team. Baseball is my favorite sport. Uh, you know, played it in college back when I was a you know, young, strapping young gent. Um, but so, hey, it, there's no hate to the Rockies. I just want to let everyone know I, I love the Rockies, and we want to talk about the Rockies, but... 
you know, right now, uh, to, to Jared's point earlier, right? We are not going to force the issue talking about teams. Right now, the excitement is in the Nuggets and the Avalanche. And so that's where we're going to focus our efforts to. But we'll keep dropping in the Diggs dollars for you just for those keeping track at home. And speaking of your playing days, Ryan, I don't think you even knew this. Once upon a time, Connor basically ended my baseball career. <laughs> He, he and I were both on the, oh, do JV, tell. on the JV team. We were playing summer ball, and we were splitting time at first base. And I was told I should play outfield instead because I'm never <laughs> going to play first base at the varsity level. So, Well, neither was I for that matter. <laughs> that's but. true. We, we did have one. I had to switch to pitching. Yeah. See, they, they told you to go play outfield, and then I had to switch to pitching. So. Yeah, then after I missed the first fly ball to me in the outfield, they told me I shouldn't play outfield either. <laughs> you realize it's about time to, to yeah. call it quits. Yeah, huh? actually, you know what? First base coach sounds really, really yeah, good, good for you. I think yeah. you could do really well at that. Okay, that is about all the time I care to spend discussing the atrocity that is the Rockies. I'm not as uh, Or even the bigger supportive. atrocity that is our baseball careers. <laughs> Hey, now. (laughs) Take a lot of pride in that. (laughs) Well, the Avalanche aren't the only teams ready to embark on a playoff run You don't say. Uh, The Denver Nuggets, uh, they're about a week out. Uh, They don't start until Saturday uh, playing in the playoffs where they will host the Portland Trailblazers. And Connor, you talked about a little strategy last week that you may want to, uh, you know, find the right scenario uh, to avoid the Lakers in the first round. And wouldn't you know it, the Nuggets get to a spot that last game of the year where if they had beaten the Portland Trailblazers, the Lakers would have surpassed them and the Nuggets would have ended up playing. Them meaning the Portland Trailblazers. The Lakers would have surpassed Yes, I'm so sorry. Would have surpassed the Portland Trailblazers, been the sixth seed. The Nuggets would have faced Lakers and hmm. None of the starters played more than about 15 minutes. Uh, I do think there was some strategy involved there, Connor. You know what? I disagree. I disagree. Okay. I, I, I disagree because the Nuggets came out, and, and granted, I, I guess you don't know what's going on behind closed doors, but uh, the message I got from the Nuggets was that they were going to win the game. They were going to go for it. They're not going to sit their starters. You go look at the Clippers, right? That's exactly what they're doing. The, the Clippers did not play uh, Paul George or Kawhi Leonard um, or actually several other of their starters. They didn't even play them at all for the last couple games of the season. So that message was clearly sent. They do not care about the, uh, the winning of the games. The Nuggets, on the other hand, uh, the Nuggets started all their starters and they were down 15 points, 15, 20 points with their starters playing in the first half before they sat them. So, you know what? I, I think Mike Malone was kind of taking a look at this. Like, hey, we're, we're going to go for it. We're going we're gonna to play our starters. And then the game kind of got out of hand, uh, which, you know, it isn't su- surprising. I mean, the Trailblazers obviously had everything in the world to play for during that game, whereas the Nuggets uh, clearly didn't. But I think they went for it. Um, I think that the optics was great. I think Mike Malone is telling his team that we're not scared of whoever. Now, granted, I don't know if that's the correct approach. Uh, I would much rather have tanked that game and not played the Lakers. I've made that very clear over the last okay, couple but, weeks. Okay, but yeah. you mentioned that the, I think the they Nuggets were went out there, gave everything they had, and, and yet were still down 15 points with their starters. Is there any part of you that's concerned about how uh, that game went? No. No, I'm not concerned. I, I think, uh, well, first of all, I think, that, you know, uh, it's, you can't replicate the type of energy and the type of, I mean, everything that goes into a playoff game compared to what what we saw. Uh, essentially, it was as if the Portland Trailblazers were in a playoff mode game and were giving it that extra effort, all that. And, and the Nuggets were 
coasting at the end of the season. I mean, hey, we're human. We are all human. Sometimes we have a tendency to look at these players like they're something more than human. But at the end of the day, you cannot take away from the fact that in the back of their minds, they know that it, it really doesn't mean much. It really doesn't. They, they secured home court advantage. Well, um, for the most part, they were still winning. Right, right. And, and, and I still think there's something to be said. I mean, hey, who knows what would have happened uh, in the second half. If, I mean, the Nuggets have come back plenty of times from 10, 15 minute or point deficit. In a weird deficits. way, I actually, I don't want to say it was good for the, the Nuggets to lose that game against the Trailblazers, but I don't know. Sometimes there is almost uh, a sense of it's hard to beat a, a team so many times, you know, and, and they talk about that in the NFL a lot. It's hard to beat a team three times if you end up playing a division team in the playoffs. It's hard to do that, and I think we've seen that in the past with teams. Actually, Denver Broncos teams that I can remember where they would put a whooping on a team week 16 or 17 and then get in the playoffs, and a Peyton Manning-led Colts team would just go crazy on them or the Patriots likewise and so I do think there actually is something to like okay let them have their fun and get their win them being the trailblazers will be ready to play and I think think Mike Malone doesn't like to uh, you know he has shown in the past that he's not a coach that wants to I mean really all NBA coaches they're, they're not like jumping at the opportunity to show all their cards in the last regular season game before you might have to turn around and play this exact same team so I do I, I, I don't put much weight into it no but looking ahead to how they match up right I, I really like the nuggets in this series um, even without Jamal Murray and and obviously he went down with the ACL injury and it was a, a tragic day for 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 everyone in, in Colorado and all the Denver Nuggets fans, but uh, they've really bounced back and, and, and done really well since then. And, you know, uh, Michael Porter Jr. has really reached a different level in his game. He's going to be huge in this series. Um, but, you know, I've said it uh, last couple of weeks. I like how the Nuggets match up against Portland. I, you can't sit there and let uh, Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, and Norman Powell go off all night on the perimeter, right? They're going to have to find a way to get into them and, and try to cut them down from, I, I believe, all three of them, or at least McCollum and Dame are shooting around 40% from the line. So you got to find a way, from the three-point line, rather, uh, you got to find a way to to get into them a little bit, make them take tough shots. Uh, Michael Malone is always talking about how players like a Dame Lillard, you don't guard one-on-one. It takes the whole team buying in to a scheme to guard him. And I think they're going to have to do that. But I like how, how they match up. Uh, I don't think Ennis Cantor uh, or, or uh, Yosef Nurkic, uh, Yosef Nurkic is, is really equipped. They're very big. They're big bodies. Um, but what you see when, when Jokic plays them, especially in this last year or two, is he he might have a little bit tougher of a time down in the post, uh, but we've seen Jokic can score from all over the place. And, and oftentimes when Jokic matches up against them, uh, it really opens up the line for him at three. And, and him shooting a career high this year from the three-point line, I really like this matchup. They are not going to stop Nikola Jokic. Do you see the Nuggets utilizing a player like a JaVale McGee to take some of the defensive pressure off of Nikola Jokic. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, the Nuggets obviously brought in JaVale McGee for the type of potential matchups in the playoffs where you get big players and big lineups. And it doesn't get much bigger than than Nurkic and, and Cantor. I mean, they're both very large men. <laughs> so that'll actually be really interesting to see how that plays out. Um, I, I think I'm it'd gonna, be very wise to do that, even just for the sense of keeping Jokic fresh 
as you move through the playoffs. I know you don't ever look past the team, and I'm not trying to do that. Actually, the Trailblazers scare me a little bit in this matchup without Murray. It's interesting that you mentioned that you you still like the matchup against them without Murray because it's the guards that scare me the most, and that's, yes, Aaron Gordon can certainly guard a Dame Lillard or a C.J. McCollum, but... I don't think that's the matchup that you brought him to your team to shut down Damian Lillard. I, 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 I think as far as matchups go, this is probably the least impact Aaron Gordon as a defender will have throughout the course of the playoffs. So this team scares me a little bit because we've seen it personally in the past with the Nuggets just how much... Dame Lillard can carry this team. Yeah, it's not it's not my favorite matchup by any means. I mean, it's kind of like a Utah Jazz light in a way. Although Dame it's Lillard is it. is very legit. I mean, uh, Dame Lillard, Damian Lillard is absolutely deserving of a top five MVP award this year. That is how good he played this year. Um, he is a dangerous player. I just I I think at the end of the day. Nikola Jokic is going to be just too much for them to handle. And the great thing about Nikola's game is that it's just so consistent. Uh, you know, if Dame Lillard, uh, Damian Lillard has has a bit of a night off, granted, a night off for him could still mean 30 points. It could still mean 28 points, right? Um, but if you're getting him to shoot kind of in that 30% range from, from three-point, uh, getting him like a 40% from the field type of thing, then... I do like the Nuggets coming out on top. I have the Nuggets in six games in this. Um, they're not my favorite matchup, but they're by far uh, you know, not my least favorite matchup either. I like it the same. I have the Nuggets winning it in six as well. And for me, the strategy for the Nuggets is not trying to outscore the Trailblazers. Uh, the Trailblazers on the season were fifth in the NBA in points per game at 116 points, but they're also allowing 114 points, right? So... To me, their game is to outscore teams. I, I want the Nuggets to control the tempo of the game, control the pace, run the ball through Jokic as much as you can, and I think you let him win you the game and you control it with your defense and not letting Dame Lillard go off. Let the rest of the team go off. Even C.J. McCollum, he's not scaring me in winning this series. If you can shut down Dame Lillard, I think that's how you win the series. I also like the Nuggets in six. Ryan. Prediction from you. Um, honestly, Portland was the second team behind the Lakers that I didn't want to see. Um, maybe that's just some old wounds from... It's hard to look past it, isn't <laughs> it? <laughs> maybe two years ago when they ended our season, but um, I'm... In a I'm, series the Nuggets absolutely had, by the way. Yeah, exactly. So I'm actually going to go... I think this one's going to go the distance, but I still have the Nuggets in seven. All right. Trader, <laughs> Ryan the Trader. So taking a quick peek. Interesting. Yeah, hey, I know. Hey, I like that. We we speak truth here. We do our best. Uh, taking a quick peek at the Nuggets injury report, and this is per ESPN on a quick Google search here. So don't you know if if there's updates to this, uh, I'm sure you guys will find it. Uh, PJ Dozier listed his day to day. He should should be fine. Will Barton did sit out the regular season finale. And, and that's the status they have as of right now is out. 
Connor, do you know any updates as if Will Barton will be available for the Nuggets? Uh, no, but it would it would surprise me if, if the Nuggets get Will and, Barton and back. And keeping in mind, it is Tuesday the 18th right now. The Nuggets don't play another game until Saturday. That will be their first matchup. So they do have another four or five days here to get healthy for him to continue to go. I, I agree. I think four he's days. been healthy. Don't don't question my yeah. math, Connor. Eh, four, it's about. I said about. Yeah. Let's let's uh let's be more accurate. <laughs> but speaking of, speaking of accuracy, I gotta tell our listeners here. I must have been uh, up in the clouds in, in, in Colorado air here. Uh, I had uh, <laughs> incorrectly put out there about the play-in tournament, so I just want to do correct myself here on air since we are a once-a-week uh, podcast. I actually have the bracket up on the computer. I, oh, knew, God, I knew you were going to touch go. on it. <laughs> yeah, you know, I had to. Uh, I don't. I do not know what I was thinking, but uh, you know. So of course, the the eight plays nine. The uh, winner of that game, or I'm Se- sorry, seven, seven plays, plays eight. eight. Yep. <laughs> Look at me. I'm just trying to Lakers and Warriors. Seven, so the Lakers play the Warriors. The winner of that game will get the seven seed, and then the eight seed will play the winner of the nine seed, ten seed game um, for Grizzly that Spurs. eight seed. Correct. So just wanted to put it out there, but uh, yeah, sorry. Sorry, Jared. Not to derail you, but hey, no, I just no, corrected no, I you, so I'm going to correct myself. Yes. Here. No, I appreciate it. Like Connor said, we <laughs> always strive to get things right. We're, we're not... We're not always going to know everything. Um, that's that's not. We're, we're by no means. Well, I um, usually know everything. Yeah, Connor really does. Uh, so yes, when Connor misses something, um, that is a little bit of a shock. Kidding. Ryan or me? Eh, hey, you know. Well, speaking of knowing things, <laughs> the two here, with so. the computers in front of them. Not exactly. Now. I got to look up everything that I'm bringing to you guys here. Yeah. Uh, you know, I do got. I got a staff for you, Jared. Okay. Stat of the week from Connor. Yeah, yeah. So uh, one of the players who obviously needs to step up and have a big series in order for the Nuggets to win, of course, we've talked about him, is Michael Porter Jr. Now, he's been on a tear lately. He's shooting out of his freaking mind. (laughs) And it's been unbelievable. He really had a great season. And so, you know, I... um, you know, there there's a couple articles out there actually making the case for him for most improved player. I think Julius Randle still gets that award. He deserves that award. He has been an absolute absolute revelation for the Knicks this year. Um, but you know what? I do think Michael Porter Jr. deserves to be in the conversation. Um, you know, it's interesting. The most improved player award kind of seems to be like a one year late type of thing. It always seems to be like they they really make their growth leap year and then it, and then they just nail it down with another season and then they get the award. But Neither here nor there. My stat of the week involves Michael Porter Jr. Is that a surprise to you? Uh, no. I think we have made <laughs> it very recently. clear I th- I think who it's Connor's a, favorite uh, player, <laughs> his, his little boo is, right? I think it's uh, possibly my third stat of the week with Michael Porter, but this one is very juicy. So here you go. Uh, so according to Stat Muse, uh, Porter Jr. has a 64.6% effective field goal percentage this season. Uh, effective field goal percentage is essentially a stat that tries to uh, get at um, what a two-point shooter would have to shoot in terms of percentage to match the production of a three-point shooter. Okay? Okay. Okay. So, I'm, so following you. I'm following you. Yeah, right, right. So, so that way, because of course, a two-point shooter is going to uh, have a higher field goal percentage, but it's uh, worth two points instead of three points. So in order to match the production of a three-point shooter... It's kind of trying to equivocate that, right? Uh, so anyways, the uh, 64.6 effective field goal percentage is the second highest in a single season for a player who averaged at least 19 points per game, behind only 
the great Wilt Chamberlain. That is some pretty good company to find yourself in, and particularly, and it seems like we talk about this each week, but to be an outside shooter and to be hitting at the percentages that some of these other guys are, because like you're talking about, this is... greater than all these other guys are. Wilt Chamberlain is the only one. I mean, we all know what... Wilt broke the game of basketball. (laughs) Wilt Wilt Chamberlain was going against the 5'9", unathletic dudes of the world. And I mean, Wilt Chamberlain one year just decided, hey... If I wanted to lead the league in assists, I could do that, and he did. So, <laughs> I mean, Will Chamberlain was a, a different uh, species of basketball player for when he played. And uh, so to be second of all time for any player averaging 19 points or more, second only to Will Chamberlain, it really speaks volumes. And we're really excited to see where he goes with this. And I know I don't want to look past, by any means, this playoff run that the Nuggets are going to go on, but... I cannot help but just be excited about what next season and and the coming seasons, hopefully in the Nuggets uniform, uh, for Michael pay Porter Jr. Pay that man. Pay that man. We're going to start that now. Pay that man. Yeah, pay that man. I'm looking forward to back-to-back parades, June 17th, June 24th. Okay. Oh. Okay. I like the way Ryan's thinking here. Ryan, Most important Ryan the question, Jinx though. Smith over there. <laughs> He didn't say what the parades were for. Oh, you're right. You're right. That's true. Okay, most important question. Thank you. Does Michael Porter Jr. bring back the sweet fade haircut that he had in the bubble last year with the details through it? You guys oh that? yeah, yeah. Do, you think he's got a nice fresh cut? Well, he's he's always uh yeah. Michael Porter Jr. is always faded. Uh, he gets the well, fade yeah. going on. He's super he, faded you, up you there. You don't know what I'm talking about. He had the 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 detail line in the yeah. Hair he had, last he had year. that at some points this year too. I know, but he's got let it go a little bit. The he's last got couple a, of weeks. He's got, so. a, uh, he's got to get a nice fresh I, cut. I was gonna say he better be looking. No, no, I, th- fresh. I think he's coming out with a fresh cut. I think Nikola Jokic is coming out with a fresh cut. You know when Nikola but, Jokic gets his cut. Right. Nikola Jokic is like he went and bought a twenty dollar pair of Clippers at Walmart and. And that's what he's rolling with. Just like those of us here, at least for me, I, I don't, I don't pay to get my haircut anymore. <laughs> so, well. so the last two haircuts I actually got, I've, I've gotten fades, but I just don't have the lettuce on the top to make it yeah. look similar. But I got enough I like- lettuce on top for both of you. <laughs> yeah, you do. I do. I, do. I got the widow's peak and Jared's bald. <laughs> yeah, I, I. As soon as I is went that what to that the- skin is. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. No, this, uh, this was not by choice. Uh, no, this, uh, I. Uh, about uh, age of 18 is when it hit me and like, yeah, yeah, it's time. And so uh, as soon as I could, started growing the beard out. And, and now that's what we get trimmed up. We don't even cut the hair anymore. We just trim up the old beard. <laughs> well, so we'll, we'll see if they get the new haircut or not. I like this series. It's, it's going to be interesting. Um, let's not look past him. I think that all of Nuggets Nation has a little bit of a chip on our shoulder for this one after the the Portland Trailblazers broke the Nuggets fans' hearts two years ago in Game 7 in the uh, game before the Western Conference Conference Finals. So it's Western Conference Semifinals. And there is a message that I think the Nuggets need to send the rest of the NBA. Um, We've talked about what the odds makers did with the, the Nuggets. As soon as Jamal Murray went down, they went from a top two or three team projected to, you know, odds to win the championship to like t- people talking about them, like falling into the, you know, fifth or sixth seed type of thing. And, and they didn't, the nuggets have held strong. I think team uh, nationally, people are starting to come around to realize, wow, this team is more than just Jokic and Murray. I think, Michael Porter Jr.'s emergence has been a big part of that, but there is a message to be sent to the rest of the NBA, and if the Nuggets can go win this series in four, five games, 
like everyone else around the NBA will take notice and start taking the Nuggets a little bit more seriously. Yeah, that's a good point, but I'll take six or seven as well. I'll so. take any victory that <laughs> hey, gets it on hey, to the next any time that we can get back at the uh, Portland Trailblazers for for what what they put us through as as Nuggets fans, that'll be great. Um yeah, it's it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm uh, hoping to get some tickets to the game, so see if I can get some uh, close up action there for you guys. And are I assume then the Nuggets uh, fan attendance will also be increased. It to is, the yeah, up to forty three percent capacity. So making some noise, uh, which will be good. You know, it's uh, uh, been a little little weird with I'm sure for these these, <laughs> these uh, uh, athletes. Just you know, I mean, some some athletes it's it's uh, more important than others, right? I mean, you get a Jamal Murray, obviously, who really feeds off the crowd. But then you get Nikola Jokic, who I honestly think it doesn't matter if he plays on the freaking moon. Like, he he does not care at all. Uh, the dude the dude could play in front of him. I, I think, honestly, Nikola might even prefer playing with less P. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm being a little bit disingenuous there, but he, it, it certainly does not make him like, uh, it doesn't make his day. You know what I mean? The, the dude just wants to go put some ball in the hoop, go race his horses. You know what I mean? He's just steady Eddie out there. He's going to show up every day. And hey, he's going to get the first MVP, it looks like, in Denver Nuggets history. Okay, so. you give me crap about jinxing things. Hey, I mean, there's no jinxing. I mean, it is what it is. He 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 appears to be the runaway candidate at this point in time. Um, I mean, even the national media. Nikola Jokic seems to be the guy who the national pundits out there, right? The quote-unquote national talkheads, uh, they want to give any reason whatsoever to not give this guy the award. And it's been so frustrating. I'm sure for all you Nuggets fans out there, it is maddening to hear. I mean, hey, we get uh, the conversation. Here's what's funny about this, right? So it was Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic, right? Jo- Joel Embiid was the clear 1A in the national media's eyes. And then Nikola Jokic was kind of like a 1B, 1C, depending on who wanted to throw in LeBron or whatever. Then Embiid gets hurt. And, it- and what do they do? No, they don't put Jokic first. Instead of instead of that, they leapfrog LeBron James to say, "Hey, this is his year." Blah blah blah. And he now it's hurt. Steph Curry. He gets hurt, and what do they do? Nope, they don't want to just bump Jokic up. It, <clears throat> Jokic was consistently like the second or third. It's, it's like all the guys wanted to be like, "Yeah, he's having a really nice season," but we just don't want him to be MVP. I mean, that's the way I look at it from a Nuggets fan. It's been frustrating. So, uh, you know, I, I'm sure you guys heard what Nick Wright said. The oh, other yeah. day, yeah, I'm sure all Nuggets Nation heard what Nick Wright said, uh, you know, and then uh, love love Jamal Murray coming out on Twitter saying Nick wrong and uh, posting it, so it's hilarious. Um, I mean, hey, the TV ratings going to do what they're going to do. At the end of the day, even those national pundits, with the exception of Nick Wrong over there, uh, most of them are, are are kind of begrudgingly coming around, wouldn't you say? It does seem like that. That as the season wore on, especially once Jamal Murray went down and Jokic just got better and better, it does seem like the national media is finally coming around on. You it. know, if there's anything good, and hey, I'm I'm always one to find the silver lining in things. This is not to say that anything was good from Jamal Murray getting injured. That was a travesty. Uh, and it is, but hey, if you had to find the silver lining, it, it appears that it, it it really played into because you know the MVP part of the MVP award is the narrative, right? I mean, the narrative is a part whether we like it or not of the MVP award, and it, I, I feel like it, it really gave some of those national pundits that little bit of a piece to kind of make a narrative that they begrudgingly didn't want to give him. Hey. 
he lost Jamal Murray. He lost his number two guy, and look what the Nuggets did. So I, I think, think if there's, there's any more silver lining to that than most people listening will give credit to. I think there is absolutely something to that as the story builds that they right. They they, they, they want now that narrative, crown man. him, and at the, the very MVP. least, even if they're not voting on it, they're definitely talking about it based off the narrative, which which in turn influences the votes to a certain degree. So I think if there's going to be a silver lining from Jamal Murray's injury, which we hope he gets better soon, it would be that it seems to have cemented Nikola Jokic's case. And hey, with, with uh, anything crazy happening, I mean, hey, I will tell you this, Jared: if Nikola Jokic does not get the MVP award this year. It's dead to me. That award means absolutely nothing to me if he does not get the award, but I think he will. So Then it's a very important and very valuable then, award. Then it's the most important, <laughs> valuable thing ever. No, it's, uh, it'll, it'll be fun to see. So, um, hey, you have the MVP on your team. Uh, that means a lot in the NBA and in the playoffs too. And Nikola Jokic has shown us time and time again, he rises to the occasion. And, and I expect him to do the same against the Trailblazers. So we'll see. I have him in six. Jared, you have him in six. Six as well. And uh, Ryan, you got him in seven. So That's and, right. And before the Nuggets take on the Trailblazers, as we mentioned, there is the play-in tournament. The seed seven through ten will be playing throughout the course of this week. Uh, I believe the Eastern Conference uh, games are tonight, Tuesday the 18th. The first set of the Western Conference games will be tomorrow, when, which will be today when you all are listening, the 19th. And... Because we're sitting here with no control over what happens and superstitions don't exist, we're going to look for it a little bit because that play-in game or the play-in tournament doesn't directly affect the Nuggets. They obviously will not play any of these teams in the first round. But as a three seed, if they win their first series, which we all predict them to do, they would then play the winner of the 2-7 seed. 2-7 game, right? So, this could impact them. Whoever wins this game tomorrow between the Lakers and the Golden State Warriors will then face the Phoenix Suns in a seven-game series. The winner of that series would play the winner of the Nuggets and Trailblazers. I don't know if I got that out in enough words, but I think you guys are following me and where I'm going there. So, yeah, and you know, as we said, it looks like the the Pacers are destroying the Charlotte Hornets. So. Okay, and is that the seven eight matchup then? Yeah, uh, that would be the, that's the nine ten. That's yeah. the nine ten. Okay. Oh, you're confusing me here. Yeah, that that is the nine ten matchup. So uh, the, and the then two the teams Celtics, that don't the belong in the Wizards are, okay. are a little bit later tonight. But by the time you guys out there are listening to this, you will already know the answers. So, uh, you know, hey. What are your thoughts on this plan? I personally love it. I absolutely love this plan tournament. I think it is great for the sport of basketball. I'll tell you what, man. I was watching the last week of the regular season, and I have never been more excited watching the final game. I mean, it makes every single game meaningful. No, it doesn't. It takes away <laughs> the meaning from the playoffs when you bring teams under 500 in the playoffs. That should just be a cutoff to me. See, this is if you're not above 500... Jared. You shouldn't even get a chance. You should just be disqualified automatically. So for me, it's it's it, it's so the eight it, seed it, shouldn't it, get to play. In the, in the Eastern Conference, seeds. like the bottom half of it doesn't belong in there. Okay, <laughs> I, I, I think what it really does is ta yeah. it takes at least a good handful of teams from tanking, like. The teams that are okay, way out like, from the beginning, yeah, man, it's a joke. And the NBA, they're, they're gonna, they're gonna exactly tank. It, they're gonna hey, tank. Jared, do you, do you, do you think Charlotte or, or Indiana was a problem in the NBA? True. 
Do True. I care? And did it impact me or most fans <laughs> at all? No. Ah, you know what? I, as a fan of no, it affected watching, the quality of the game. It did. It but affected. there are ways to prevent that, rather than oh, hey, you, they won't tank if we let a team with a twenty-five percent winning percentage in the playoffs, guys. Okay, wait, hold up, hold I think up. That's a little hold over up exaggerated. Here. Hold up here. Do you think that the the hey me- Connor, how many how many of those teams under five hundred have ever made it to the NBA Finals? I do not know. None. If, I, I'm ever. Guess zero. Never. Possibly. They don't have a chance to win it. You well, are muddying well, the waters. The uh, to add more games and more TV ratings. Well, okay. You know what, though. Uh, to your point, Jared. I mean, how many times has a has a fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth seed won? Never. No. Well, no, no. Well, the, there, there has have. been times. Okay, but, but rarely. No, it's really rare. And so, are you uh, by your logic? So, should we only have a four team playoff between the East and the West? Do you think that's what's good for the sport of basketball? Um, I think that it's bad for the sport of basketball when the Eastern Conference fourth or fifth seed, and, and this year it's a little bit more even, but I, I think everyone listening can remember years in the past where the fourth seed in the East is worse than the ninth seed that missed the playoffs in the West. So yes, I will tell you that team that is below 500 hey or now, right at 500 hey now, so you're saying doesn't the, belong. The, the, okay, so the fourth seed in the East, Jared, is the New York Knicks, and they are, they are 41 and 30. No, I, I said believe. this year's a little different. The East is a little bit deeper this year than in most years. Uh, and, and you want my honest opinion on how you should do the playoffs? Knicks all conferences, Knicks all divisions. I don't care. Best team gets home. The top four teams, top eight teams, I guess you would have, get home field or home court advantage. They belong in. I don't care if, oh, you're the fifth seed in the East. If you would have been the tenth seed in the West, you don't belong. Yeah, well, I mean, hey. I'm not opposed to that, but you know what? At the yeah, uh, but the, but there's also I mean there there's more. It's it's a little bit more complicated than that because obviously if you're playing, so you would you would change the schedule then I assume, and you would make it to where teams are not playing their conference or whatever more. You would just get I rid don't of conferences. See any reason why they are at this point anyway? So would you just get rid of conferences altogether? Yeah. No such thing. There, there is no such thing as Eastern Conference, Western Conference. There is only 31 NBA teams or however many there are. I'd 30. Math. I think there's 30. 30. There. Whatever. Hang on. Hang on. There are 30. You are correct. So so you yeah. would just have 30. The, the National Basketball Association, and it would be 30 teams. And it would, ah, you know what? I could buy that. All right. But... Uh, I do think that this plan is better than it was before. Okay, I think. Hey, I to your point, the five, six, seven, eight seeds—they're not gonna win a championship, anyways. Okay, I get it, but that doesn't mean that I don't want to see the Wizards right now play play a game, or you know, the Celtics Look, or and, the and or the, a- the Charlotte Hornets. I mean, honestly, with with you know Lamelo Ball and oh, God, yeah, I, but I, I, I think there's two <laughs> different questions that that there's too you many could balls ask, out okay? there. Um. I'm not even going to take that one. <laughs> I uh, gave it to you. I served it up and you couldn't even finish it. You I think there's two different it, questions Jared. to ask, okay? Do I enjoy the added games, the added energy, the added feel of this play-in tournament? Yeah, yes. Some, As some a winner, sports fan. Winner go home games. Yes. I mean, it's added. fun. It, it is but fun. All right? If, if you're asking me if I think this is good for the game of basketball, no. Hey. I think expanding playoffs, they're not the only ones doing it. The NFL has done it. Um, I, MLB did it a few years back, adding that extra wild card. Uh, to me, 
It's all about money. That's the only reason that they're doing it is because of they course. make more money. But I'm not going to complain when it's more fun for me to watch. It's a better product out there for me uh, to lay my I eyes on. I guess it on. just comes down to what's the point of the 82-game regular season? Just throw them all into a tournament at the end of the season and, and call it the season. I, I just I don't get the point of even playing a regular season if you can go lose more games than you win and you still make it in the playoffs. Honestly, I think that they should they should potentially even... I, I don't know. I think buys are a big thing, like getting a buy. It would be cool to see the number one seed in basketball get a buy, and so you add another playoff team in order yeah, to Yeah, if do you that. wanted to maybe talk about moving forward, and, and I'm just spitballing here. I think I'm going to not like this by the time I'm done saying it anyways, but where you add in a playing game for that eighth spot, the the seven versus the eight, and then the first team is is you know not playing dirt while everyone else gets going uh, yeah to build in a little bit of maybe not a, a whole series by but you get a few extra days off for the one seed yeah you know isn't the first round in the mlb five or is it three it, mlb got weird they added in like the 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 isn't there like a one game playoff now all right i'll, I'll look it up while we're going here because we are all very uneducated but i but that. i will tell you jared uh you know, anything that gets the Lakers this year to possibly not be in the playoffs, I am a fan for, all right? So, uh, and Connor, I, I told you guys last week in your that pipe and smoke. I, I'm getting caught up in it that the Lakers have just not proven to me that they're the same Lakers team in the past. And I'll tell you right they now, they haven't had their team. I'm doubling they do down now. on that right now. I think them going up against Golden State could be a problem for oh, them. Oh, God. You want to make a I, bet on this? I do want to make a you bet on this. You want to make a bet Connor. on this. All right. We'll make a bet on this. All right. Okay. Okay. So, some nice icy cold beverages. Yes. After the show next week for whoever wins between Golden State, who I will take. Yeah. Connor, you take the Lakers. Oh, God. Easiest money I've ever made. Easiest fizzy pop I've I ever know, had. I, I just look at the way Steph Curry is playing. Oh, uh, man. And MVP, according to LeBron James. That's right. Hey, you go read the, between the lines there. It's almost like LeBron James is setting himself up for it. In case we lose, I did say that Steph Curry was the MVP. And I, and I love LeBron. I shouldn't be making fun of him. But he said a bogus statement when he said that Steph Curry was the MVP. You know what? You're on. It's gonna. It's going down. The Lakers are winning this game okay. tomorrow. And uh, by the time you guys all listen to this out there, they may have already won. So you might already be listening to this, realizing how right I am and how wrong Jared is. <laughs> uh, I got it on the ledger. Good. All right. So the winner of that game, as I mentioned, will take on the Phoenix Suns. So and lose. I'm going to ask you that question first. <laughs> Just who is a worse matchup for the Suns? And when I say worse, who has a better chance of beating the Suns in the your Lakers. opinion? Of course the Lakers. The Lakers are going to win. And actually, you know I said they're going to lose. They're going to win that series against the Suns. And that sucks. Because if the Nuggets find a way to get past Portland, which we all think they will, it's going to be a freaking tough series. But hey, you know what? We avoided them in the first round. That's all I can ask for. At the end of the day, man, right. you're going to win a championship. You got to beat the best teams. So um, I would have rather... Uh, face the Suns if I was if I was the Nuggets, but um, no, I think I, I think if the Warriors find a way to sneak through, I think the Suns are winning that game all day. Okay, and then the other question I want to ask you is: We obviously know the answer that the Lakers is the team of those three: Warriors, Lakers, Suns. That's the one you don't want to play. So between the Warriors and the Suns, who would be the preference in your mind? Who oh, do you well, think is a better I, matchup for the Nuggets I, if and when? 
they get to that second. Uh, I would I would love to play the Suns. I would love to play the the Warriors. I would love to play the the only teams that really truly scare me in the West for the Nuggets are the Utah Jazz, which I, I've said before. I don't think they match up great against Utah. They got you know Defensive Player of the Year candidate in in Rudy Gobert, and they got some excellent guard play that I just don't think we necessarily have the offensive firepower to keep up, especially if Gobert can. You know, you don't stop Jokic, but if you can kind of slow him down a little bit. So the Utah Jazz, I don't like the matchup between. Um, you know, I'm not crazy about the the Portland Trailblazers matchup either. Um, but uh, and you know what the um, the Lakers, of course, I, I do not like the matchup against the Lakers. But you know what, I am taking the Nuggets uh, against the Suns. I think. I think some of their inexperience is going to show. Now, obviously, Chris Paul's had a tremendous season, uh, but Devin Booker, who I don't think people talk about enough. I mean, everyone's giving the credit, and he has had a great season. Granted, he's done a lot for that team, but everyone is just automatically putting in CP3 as their MVP of that team. I'm not entirely certain that Devin Booker's not the MVP of the Suns this year. Um, you know, I, that's a conversation for another story, but, but I do think... Um, in terms of the Suns or the Warriors, uh, I, I like the Nuggets in either of those series. But let's be real. The Warriors are not. If, if the Warriors... So see, that's what's interesting, to your point. And this is why I love it. What's so interesting to me about a, a one-game playoff, right, is that anything could truly happen. I mean, I, I think the Lakers are almost certainly going to win. But hey, one game anything could happen. Steph Curry drops 55 points. Which could definitely happen. Which could definitely happen. And hey, all of a sudden, the Warriors won. But we're talking about a series. The Warriors are not getting past the Suns. The war That, that is not happening. So I think the Suns are probably salivating, just hoping. Suns fans out there, uh, let us know. Let us know on Twitter, at Red Rock Sports one uh, If you believe, if you, if you are a Suns fan or just a fan of basketball, um, the Suns got to be... Uh, just absolutely hoping for the Warriors because I think oh, they're they're not a good team. They are not a good basketball. They're team. Steph Curry and a bunch of guys I I could barely name. Yeah, I mean Draymond Green is you know he still got some defense I left. I think in he's them, one but, of the most overrated players in the NBA. Ah, uh, yeah, you know he he's uh, another conversation. We should argue about that too sometime because I like Draymond Green and his physicality. You would like Draymond Green. Yeah, he's a little bit. I of get a- the feeling, Ryan. Do you think if we all got on a basketball court? That's Draymond Green right there, right? Connor um, is Draymond Green. I think I'm, I'm more like Nikola Jokic, but without, oh, it, but, but without, but without any of the talent. That's <laughs> more more like it. I'm more like I'm more like uh, yeah. I'm, I'm more like if you had like Dalton Reisner go out there and play basketball, <laughs> that would be me. Connor, the amount of times you compare yourself to Jokic, I, I just hey. oh wait, I'm sorry, that was Tyler Walji last week saying he could outrun. Yes, yes, he's. I tell people all the time, Jokic is so much more athletic than you give him credit for. He's more athletic than you, more athletic than 90 percent of you listening out there. So you know what? At the end of the day, uh, you know what I am, Jared. All right, I am uh, 6'2", and I'm 247 pounds. 6'2", 247. That's pounds. like a middle linebacker right there. No, buddy. no, no, no. I will have you. Hey, Brian. Can you please look up Khalil Max height and weight for me right now? Oh, oh my God! Go you would. No, no, you please, please. go Khalil Mack. I am six two and two forty seven. I'm just curious. What, what what's Khalil Mack out there? Let's go. We're gonna wait for it right here. He is. Let's see here. Mm-hmm. 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 Wait for it. Uh, let me get his measurements. Hold on. Oh my God. Real quick, while Ryan is How doing that, is um, Ryan? I'm just. It's I'm, not. I'm he's peeking six, real quick. Three, he's six three two sixty nine. Oh, Ooh. Connor. Wait, I'm. I, I but I'm actually six two and five eighths. So on a sports roster, <laughs> I would call myself six three, right? I think you might be closer to Von Miller. I think Von Miller plays at like two forty four. Well, either way, I mean, I am basically a defensive end in the NFL. 
basically. I mean, that's yeah. me. I mean, more Pretty or less. Much. I mean, uh, you know, six two and five eights on a roster that would be six three, right? Of course, right? I, I'm Probably not going to say <laughs> now. Nah, well, so I'm going to say six three two forty seven. Um, you know, and I'm uh, I'm uh, disappointed right there. I thought that was going to be right on the money. I thought I looked it up at one point. And he was too. Hey, regardless, that is me. Um, yeah, and I could be a starting running. Back I highly game. doubt he plays at two sixty nine. Yeah, As that's edge a, rusher. Yeah, that's showing up at camp at two sixty nine. But uh, so. anyway, so to just finish up on the basketball, I think I think the the if the Warriors find a way to win, the, the Suns are going to obliterate them. Um, you know, I think the the Suns are absolutely going to win that series, and so I think the Nugget. And, and honestly, um, let's hope. Let, oh, I was just say, fans, regardless of what hope, you think is going to happen, right. Connor, we're all oh, I will be rooting Warriors against. Fans and tomorrow, hey, right? I am a huge LeBron James fan. I will argue that LeBron James is the greatest of all time, all day, all day, every day. LeBron James is the goat in my book. All right, um, but I am going to be rooting against LeBron James. I'm going to be anti LeBron James. Everything I got uh, this week, you know, hoping the Warriors find a way to eke past them because that would be fantastic for the Nuggets' chances. I'm just waiting for that, what, two steps over half court, Steph Curry just drops that yeah, three right. to ice well, the I, game. Him and Dame Lillard, they're like the two players in the world that do that. I mean, you, you'll watch it in this series. I mean, I'm sure all of you guys do watch the Nuggets. That's why you listen to this, and I'm sure you watch NBA basketball, but watch Dame Lillard. If you if you don't watch that many Dame Lillard games, he does that multiple times every single game. He will he will take that step past half court, and he will just unleash it, and he makes it. He it sh- is maddening. He sent the Thunder home with a shot like that. Uh, yeah. I, don't know, I don't think it was last year. I think it was the year before. Because I'm pretty sure there were fans there. Yeah. But yeah, he hit it from about one step uh, past half court and then waved he had a by. Couple, he had a couple game winners. And then he, and, and then he waved by to their to their bench, which was awesome. Yeah, so it's gonna, uh, Nuggets are certainly going to have their hands full uh, watching Dame Lillard like that. I mean, hey. <laughs> he is he is a freaking beast. I will I will I will absolutely give credit where credit is due. We got to find some way to just slow him down. That's the key. You slow him down, and the rest of the team's not going to beat you. I think that's the key for the Nuggets. Well, there, you know, uh, uh, Nikola Jokic too um, is the best fourth quarter uh, uh, basketball player in the NBA this year. Uh, best fourth quarter efficiency ratings, uh, and and he is a top five clutch shooting in the fourth quarter as well. Um, that I mean, a lot of people forget that about Nikola Jokic. I mean, I know we don't here in Denver, but a lot of the the people, I think even the odds makers, man, might might at times. Uh, now, granted, for the playoffs, they're going to be on their game. It's going to be a lot different, but but on your average, just normal game. I mean, I think people tend to forget just how good of a closer Nikola Jokic is. And what's so great about it, right? So your closer typically has to be what? He has to be able to create a shot. That, I mean, that's, that's the, what you want in a closer is somebody in the last second to have the ball in your hands and you must create a shot. And here's what Nikola Jokic does. He can absolutely hit the unorthodox step back Sambor shuffle, right? He can do that. He can take you to the hole and get a, a, a hoop. But, but what he can do is give the ball to the open player and you, you cannot stop him on one single possession. So 
I, you know, Nikola Jokic is one of the best closers in the NBA, and and I think we're going to see that here in this this series. You better be careful, Connor. Your boo MPJ is going to get a little upset. <laughs> how highly you're talking of Jokic? Yeah, okay. hey, MPJ is great too. We love you too. Uh, <laughs> I'm just excited, man. We're we're excited. We'll we'll uh, be back on next Tuesday for sure. We'll break it down. We'll we'll talk a little bit about the Nuggets, um, and, and they'll only be a couple of games into the series at that point. So we'll get a chance to kind of dive into how that series looks at that point and what we're thinking for the rest of the series here. Hey, uh, if, uh, I don't know if we play on Tuesday. If the Nuggets play on Tuesday, I'll tell you one thing. We are getting a TV. Yeah, producers. And we are plastering it up here. You hear that, producer? Yeah, we need we need a TV yeah. right about there on that wall, right where I'm looking. I I'll uh, have to uh, talk to the boss about that one. Yeah. Yeah, it might be out of our budget real quick here. So uh, so why don't we plug uh, Woo's Media? Hey, Woo's Media. This is <laughs> nice a Woo's Media podcast. If you guys aren't familiar with Woo's Media, take a look into them. They have lots of good shows, all different realms of the sports world, sports betting, college football. Here locally, Ryan and myself and Tyler do a uh, CU football podcast as well. So check into that. Woos Media, you can find it on any of your regular podcast outlets. Uh, this, again, is a Woos Media podcast here. And real quickly, the MLB playoffs is confusing. I'm trying to like read through <laughs> this as we're going here. Looks like there's a, a one-game wildcard play in, which then plays into a wildcard series, which is a best-of-five after that, it opens up to the standard seven-game format that we're all used to. Uh, boy, it just seems like they're trying to make a lot of money, bringing a lot of bad. So, just more in. evidence of it hey. being the worst okay. major sports. Uh, okay, hey, hey, organization. Uh, Jared, is there any decision that is made in pro sports that's not about money? Uh, no. So, so you can't no, use that. Right. You you can't use that as a, as a why that this sucks. You can't because because otherwise you hate sports. Sorry, but like if you could make more money, would you take extra steps making like a mean ham sandwich? Bad. Okay, like, okay, okay. Wait, why I does know, I know. why does uh, Patrick Mahomes get paid more money than his average counterpart? Is it because is it because they're generous or is it okay. because he makes them more money as a as a Kansas City Chiefs team? But on the does note of the NFL, why like why does the Patrick NFL Mahomes? have the pull? In the United States, the way it does when every other major sport struggles to get its share. Why is the NFL so dominant? Because you have because 17 games of a regular season. Once a week, you get a chance to do it, so all eyes are focused on it. Whereas you keep adding more games and more series and more things. I think the NFL is making a mistake. Actually, this is something Mark Cuban talked about years ago. He did. He that did. they're going to keep growing and growing and growing, growing and beyond their bridges. themselves like a black and hole. Exactly. And I think that's what we're doing in all these sports. Like it's going to get to a point where nobody cares. Sure, everyone still cares by adding two more teams. And then a few years from now, you add two more teams in. And then before you know it, the whole league is in there. It's just a slippery well, slope. You, for you me. know, yes, I can get on board with what we're seeing now. It's the future that concerns me that it's going to keep getting worse and worse and worse because they just know they can keep making money. Jared, that is what we call a slippery slope fallacy, and it is a fallacious argument, and it should not be listened to. <laughs> well, I guess that's just your opinion, uh, man. It is, man. Hey, <laughs> yeah, let me tell you one thing here. Um, you know what I think? Just just real quick on that point. You know what I think? That uh, I get what you're saying. That that totally makes sense to me. Um, you know, obviously there will be a point when that is just you you, you got to stop somewhere, right? I mean, uh, you know what I think the NFL is making the biggest mistake on is 
just they continue to add days of the week where we play NFL football. So I think one of the greatest reasons the NFL is successful, and I mean, hey, this is just based off of my completely wild opinion, but we got a, a you know a, a married man here and a you know a, you're married too, no, close to married, single, very single. Oh, single. Oh wow! So we for can all go, you lucky wow, I just called him out, out on here. We, so, yeah. we can go into that. But, but for all you, day too. But for all you married people out there, right, or all you with with significant others, right. When you want to watch a sports game, maybe your significant other is not necessarily in. Or if they are into it, hey, you keep them, right? Yeah, keep that one for life. But but hey, it's kind of like that once a week, like, hey, I'm going to watch my football game, right? And that's okay. That's okay because it's a once a week thing. I'm okay with that, right? You let me go to my book club or you let me go do my wine <laughs> tasting or whatever the hell it is that we do. Um, but when you start getting into, well... Hey, babe, well, this week the Broncos play Monday, and then we got Thursday, and then we got Sunday football, and then, hey, some days we got Saturday football. It's like getting to the point to where, like, like that doesn't fly. And, hey, yeah. all of us realize where the real power in the house lies. Yeah, no, it's uh, you're <laughs> preaching to the choir. It is a, like, <laughs> weekly battle come Monday. Like, I have to think of the strategy <laughs> and how I'm going to get her to want to watch it, you know? And, and, and my wife does play fantasy football a little bit. It's a way that I've helped get her into ah, football smart. more. Smart. Uh, yeah, except for the fact she's freaking it's like setting a me. bear trap. She literally has beat me in every league she's played in so far. I'm just like embarrassing myself. That's but good. I try to look at him like, oh, you know, Brooke, you got a, uh, you know, you got this guy playing tonight. I mean, if he scores like <laughs> <laughs> 15 points, you it could, could win. Be really good we for should, you. We should probably watch that game, right? You well, know, <laughs> well, and it gets hard too because Jared and I, we we share season tickets for CU, so you're gone all Saturday. Which all of your anyway. all all of your Sundays spoke for Monday night, Sunday night as well, Monday night, Thursday yeah. night. I'm it lucky if I could throw one headphone in and the iPad next to me on Monday night. <laughs> yeah. Thursdays, I don't even tune into Thursday because it's garbage football. Well, you know, what? Football. you know what? It, it, to the Connors are playing Thursday night. To, to their, their only prime game. game. Um, the, even with Thursday night, it's probably the worst primetime game that the NFL has, but it probably outrates everything else on TV regardless Pro- of what it is. It'll probably outrate these finals. Or yeah. excuse me, these playoff games. Yeah, I would be curious to see. It. Well, maybe we'll bring that. Yeah, out we'll next have week. to. We'll yeah. have to check. I'll, into I'll look that. into it. We'll look into that for next week. Well, this is a great segue into the 2020 schedule release, uh, which came out this last week. Uh, honestly, guys. I'm not going to dive a ton into this. Uh, listeners out there, you guys have all seen it. Uh, at least I assume you've seen it if you're on any sort of social media, anything like that. The schedule has been out now for, for coming on a week. I think it came out last Wednesday, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and what I see when I look at the schedule is it is clearly a schedule of a team that finished in last place in their division last year. I see a lot of winnable games for the Broncos, and, and frankly, I don't see a ton of games that I'm like, oh, yeah, that's a definite loss. I mean, you play the Chiefs a couple times, let's just chalk those up to losses. Uh, but aside from that, when you're looking outside of the division, there's really no opponent. Maybe the Browns? That's crazy that I'm even saying it, that the Browns is like the one that I'm like, yeah, you aren't winning that game in Cleveland. Yeah, it's the upside down when you're uh, saying that the Cleveland Browns are one of the toughest games on your schedule, but they've earned it. They've been good. You know what? Um, you know, to your point, Jared, I, I think we'll have plenty of time, and I know we're we're definitely getting up against it here. Uh, we'll have time to break down the schedule. We'll go through some things uh, in later shows, but I think one of the biggest takeaways just initially is just what you said. How little? I mean, the Broncos have one primetime game, and it's a Thursday night football. What is it? The Browns? Is yeah, it, it's, it's the Cleveland Browns. Browns game. So, and and it's not even the Broncos that are 
pulling the weight for that game anymore. So, um, you know what, though? Hey, if if the Broncos get Aaron Rodgers, I think you will see that change because the, the NFL has games. always flex yeah. games. Uh, I, I think what you'll end up seeing, but hey, I know that's an if, but I'm still holding on to my hope here, man. Unfor- I'm, uh, unfortunately, games can't be flexed until uh, after week 12. Ah, well, there you go. Well, after week yeah, 12, well, the, then Broncos the Broncos will just play every primetime <laughs> yeah. game. No, I, 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 they, they will get moved into it if something like that happens. But, you know, I think it's just a, it's a testament in, in, what, five years from a Super Bowl? Five years How removed the from a Super Bowl? Six years now? Fallen. This will be the sixth year? Yeah. Um, yeah. Nobody has, cares about the Broncos. It has that. fallen off a cliff. And, you know, the Broncos, I mean, the, the Broncos, so, you know, they call the, the they call Denver the flyover city. Um, you know that, Jared? Yeah. You've yeah. heard of the flyover city. So they call it the flyover city because the people feel like, hey, the, this is not, especially in the sports world, this is a city that you fly over on your way to L.A. or on your way to Chicago, on your way to New York, right? I mean, you don't, we, we are in like this lost time zone here. And so the Broncos have traditionally kind of been the exception to that rule on a national scale. Right. And it's really because they've kind of forced the issue, right? I mean, Pat Bowen and, and the tremendous success that the Broncos have had have really forced the Broncos to be in that national conversation, and they've built a fan base across the country. Uh, it kind of reminds me of the uh, San Antonio Spurs in a way. Yeah, that's uh, a good uh, example. Uh, of the NFL. And so, um, but hey... This, I mean, if this is not a slap in the face, like a wake-up call uh, to see where the Broncos have gotten to, I, I don't know what is, man. It's I'm looking at that schedule, and I'm just like, this is... I mean, I have season tickets to the Broncos. My family's had season tickets for, you know, 30-plus years, something like that. I mean, a really long time, and... um I'm just sitting here looking at the games like, you know, like I normally do, excited, like, which games do I want to go to? I'm looking at it, I'm like, man... It's, I don't even like, yuck, like I'm right? going to, I'm going to, I'll go and I'll love it. But just, you know just what? Just real quickly, just for, for those, for those uh, season ticket holders out there, here's the list of the home games for oh, yeah. the Broncos this year. Jets, Ravens, Raiders, Washington football team, Eagles, Chargers, Lions, Bengals, Chiefs. Take away the division Is that Ravens teams? game? An away oh, game? No, Ravens. I said Ravens. Yeah, that's it, the second. It's the, the second home okay. game. Their fourth game of the season. That's about the one good one. Right. I actually think that the Jets are on the rise. That might be a fun game to watch with the young quarterback there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hey, I mean, Broncos games are a great time, dude. Yeah. You know, everyone loves the Broncos games. And so frankly, I'm, if I'm going to a home game, I'd like to play some winnable games. You know? Right. So, right. But it's just, I think that was my takeaway looking at this schedule was just wow. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. We probably have the year somewhere, but but it's been a long time. It's been like, I mean. I want to say 20 years off the top of my head. It's been a long, long time since the Broncos did not have a primetime Sunday night or Monday night football game. And a lot of day games, a lot of 11 a.m. mountain time mm-hmm. games. And I hate that. I'm a red zone watcher. I, oh, yeah. I, 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 red zone's great. And it kills me because you miss a majority of the games if you're watching the Broncos in the morning. So it's like, man, throw it on in that afternoon slot, and it's perfect. Right. You got three or four right. games. It, it, it's great to watch. So before we move on, we're going to finish the show here with our, our Rodgers radar. But before we get to that, I do want to touch. We talked a little bit last week about the Juwan James injury and and the how that was impacting the, the league and the Broncos. Well, that saga has ended. The Broncos have cut ties with Juwan James. They released him on Friday. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean anything. He can still file grievances and do those things. 
it's not going anywhere. He's not going to get any money out of the Broncos no, as you, a result you of know, this. I if anything, maybe the case. players are. He might have a he might have a, uh, a case. I mean, I'm no lawyer here. That might surprise you, but uh, <laughs> I think he, you know, just a, a layman's understanding of the law. I mean, he may have a case against the Players Association, uh, who who have basically. Uh, told all of them to stay home, don't go, and they and the players' association fully knew the risks. Yeah. Um, it depends, and it will depend obviously on what they communicated specifically, and if they gave them the risks and all that stuff. Dave, but. by the way, the players' association has doubled down on that since this, basically calling out the owners, or excuse me, calling out the NFL for sending a memo to the owners about like they the, the NFL basically called out this Juwan Zam situation, say see, this is why you should sell up the facilities. And, and the Players Association doubled down on that, saying, oh, see, they don't even care about you. They're going to use him as an example. Right. And this, that. Y'all are idiots, man. You you don't you think you're going to accomplish something until you don't show up Sunday, week one, you accomplish nothing. Mm-hmm. And Juwan James, guys, not the only one impacted for the Broncos. And the, the next one really, really does hurt me a little bit, not personally because I liked him a lot, but there was talks that the Broncos were going to trade uh, Deshaun Hamilton. There was multiple teams interested. Sounded like the Broncos were going to get something back for him. And then he goes, and I, I don't know if it was uh, ACL or, or if yeah, it's even it was come an ACL. out. Mm-hmm. And, and, and same deal. Away from the facility, gets hurt. Obviously, all those trade offers come off of the table. Same deal. The Broncos released him, uh, I believe, over the weekend. So Deshaun and Hamilton bad for the kid. I mean, and at least Juwan James, James no made his money. Broncos. Yeah. Well, the, um, the other point. thing is, is with with both uh, Hamilton and James, there's still a possibility that, if, and I, I completely assume that they are going to. Um, they'll file a grievance, and there's still a possibility that the Broncos could come to a settlement with them of the money that they were owed. However, it's probably not going to be everything that you are owed, and it's going to be like, you know what, it's kind of a here's what we'll give you to make this go away. And I, you do feel bad for Hamilton, like I just said. I do. It's, uh, I mean, he hasn't made his money. At least Jawan James is sitting and that's, laughing at the Broncos on a stack true. of cash and to, that they've and, handed uh, him. Deshaun Hamilton was a later draft pick, like a yeah, fourth or fifth he's, round. So he's, he, is not he really needed to have a good much. year. And he's, still, he's still uh, on his rookie deal, so, yeah, so. which isn't much, unfortunately. You know, r- rough deal for him, but... Yeah. Uh, uh, that that saga and, continues, I guess. And, and and frankly, it's it's the world that you dive into when you're a professional athlete. Unfortunately, it happens to some guys more often than the ones that we talk about most that are very successful. More often, you see guys like a Deshaun Hamilton that have unfortunate situations that end up derailing uh, what was a promising NFL career. So we're going to wrap up the show today, diving into our Rogers radar. I will turn over to Ryan Smith. All right. So uh, this week on Rogers radar, um, unfortunately not too much um, new going on with the, uh, with the radar this week. Um, You know, last week we had the, uh, the reports come out that, uh, Green Bay had offered him like a huge deal, more than Mahomes, um, highest paid quarterback in the league. Um, this week is actually we're we're going to go a little bit different, um, and uh, it's actually from yesterday. I actually sent this to to Jared yesterday. Uh, I saw it on Twitter. It was from uh, Albert Breer, who, if you're not familiar with him, works for Sports Illustrated. And I guess he talked to a few NFL executives on a trade deal that would. Uh, it, a potential trade deal that would 
uh, have to be proposed to get Aaron Rodgers. Basically, and, he asked around to executives what they thought the price tag would be. Correct. And he came back with um, the Broncos specifically. Uh, the Broncos would be trading to the Packers, Drew Locke, Bradley Chubb, Dalton Reisner, a 2022 first-round pick, a 2022 second-round pick, 2023 first-round pick, and a 2024 first-round pick. So three first-rounders, a second-rounder this upcoming year, and what are currently three starters for the Broncos. Correct. So, but the Broncos so, so, would get back, what, a fourth in that situation? Yeah, so the Broncos would be getting back, of obviously, Aaron Rodgers, and then a 2022 fourth-round pick. And so say if you take the, the names off of them, that is four first-rounders and three second-rounders, basically. That's a very interesting way to look at that because – you know, you you look at these players and who they are, and, and Drew Locke, I think we've all kind of soured on a little bit. I mean, so, you know, there's still some promise there. Bradley Chubb is also obviously a very good player, but one could argue he hasn't brought a whole lot of wins to this, this ball club. And Dalton Reisner really had kind of an off year. So when you look at the players as the players, one could argue like, okay, I could part with each of those guys. But when you break it down on where they were taking – taken and the value that they bring it's a lot connor i think i know the answer to this question i could is care it too less. much <laughs> absolutely not it is I absolutely not too that. much i uh, give them whatever I, I mean honestly give them pat sertan too uh, in addition to that i don't care none of those people are going to get the win shares that that aaron Rodgers is going to give you uh, none of those people uh, all of them combined are not going to now granted the only exception is if the Broncos used one of those first-round picks to pick a future Aaron Rodgers, right? right. But and, what are and, the odds and of that? And that's one kind of caveat that I want to put in. In I agree with you. I agree that I would pay this price tag. Uh, the, the draft picks, I don't care. Not, not that I don't care, but to me, that is the price that you have to pay. Yeah, yeah, you know you're putting out three first-round draft picks. It's a lot. It's a thing. It's a lot. The, the one name on there that I have a hard time parting Dalton ways Reisner, with. Huh? No, it's no? actually Bradley Chubb because ah, I just look right. at what his impact wife. on this defense could be in the coming years. Von Miller has hit his peak, and he's on the downward slope. Yeah, I think you could see certainly. a transition similar to when we had DeMarcus Ware here and Von Miller took over. Now, that being said... I pull this trigger in a heartbeat oh, if yeah. this is a deal. Now, if uh, we're Dalton talking, Reisner gives me some positive. If we if we take you know go backwards a month and we're taking a look at the first round of the 2021 NFL draft, right? The Broncos had say the ability to trade up to the second or third pick. I am not giving up nearly this much for an unproven commodity. We've seen too many first-round oh, quarterbacks yeah. that fail. I would not give up that much for an unproven commodity, but for somebody in Aaron Rodgers that steps foot on your field, and before he even does that, you are probably a top three or four Super Bowl contender. Why? How could you not pull the trigger? I don't care in 2024 that I don't have a first-round draft pick if I won a championship in 2021 or 2022. No, I, I get it, and so I, I think I think we're all going to pull that deal. Um, you know, we could talk for various degrees about yeah. you know the the ups and downs, but I think we all pull that deal. I think part of it too. I mean, as Broncos fans, we're so starved right now at this point. I mean, we're so <laughs> used really to is. excellence that you know you know you bring Aaron Rodgers in, it's like hey yeah give up whatever. Um, obviously, if any of those draft picks turn into a franchise quarterback, um, you're going to be kicking yourself a little bit, but. Um, you know, I think with we're all Justin in on it. Fields, all- which, which, if the uh, if the Packers 
do make that or trade, one of those first rounders is probably going to be on a quarterback. See, I I guess I see it differently than than you guys and then many people out there. I just why do the Packers feel that they should get rid of Aaron Rodgers if Jordan Love isn't the guy you believe could be that yeah, guy? Well, I, I just yeah, no, I get that. If you I, don't I, think I, I you have the you next there. guy, you have spent the last like. 50 years with a superstar quarterback going all the way back to Bart Starr. That was where the 50 years. I know Rodgers and Brett Favre around for a long time. I know it wasn't 50 <laughs> years. Um, but not all teams get that. And for you to go into the future without that at least a little bit of certainty in your mind, like, yes, Jordan Love is the guy. And maybe he proves he's not. On the flip but- side, have the Packers done anything to show you that they can't pick the guy for, to replace their quarterback? That's true. I mean, hey, if, if so- Jordan Love is who they're at, I mean, what history, if, if history is any indication, Jordan Love's going to turn into another franchise quarterback. I mean, right. I tend to think that that's not going to happen, but we'll see. So there's only two things that give me pause on this, on this deal in particular. It's Dalton Reisner and the fact that Aaron Rodgers is 38 years old. How many quality years are you going to get out of him? I'd say it's probably three of still elite level. You'll probably have him for maybe three to five years, but I'm thinking it's probably only three years of elite quarterback play. Yeah, probably even it, two to three. You know, he might he might stretch it out to five of solid quarterback play. Solid, yeah, and, solid. And there's a lot of discussion out there that maybe Aaron Rodgers isn't the best teammate. Maybe he doesn't always have his guys back. Is there any concern of a what would ever give you that idea? <laughs> <laughs> Is there any concern about that when you're giving nope. up that much to bring in a guy nope. if there's not a locker room? Not fit? not not for that amount of time that you're probably going to have him. I don't think I don't think he's going to ruffle too many feathers and and not in the times. Not when you have Pro Football Focus's sixth best roster, according to Pro Football Focus, and your quarterback's name is Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater. (laughs) He is also Uh, Aaron freaking Rodgers, so I don't care how much of a jerk he is in the locker room. I'm going to still show up. I think there's one one more rumor. Yeah, so you you brought up Pro Football Focus, which, you know, out there you can say whatever you want about them um, as far as how they rate players, rate teams. Um, yeah, and it's it's really a love hate relationship with most people, um, but they also came out with a a hypothetical trade. I'm not sure if the writers at Pro Football Focus went through, um, you know, weeding out executives like Albert Breer did. But this is my more favor- favorable hypothetical trade. Um, obviously, the Broncos get Aaron Rodgers only, um, and they will be sending to Green Bay Bradley T- Bradley Chubb, Teddy Bridgewater, uh, 2022 first round pick, 2023 first round pick, and 2022 third round pick. And. When I first saw the Albert done. Breer report, yeah, that's that's an even <laughs> yeah. more done for me. Uh, no, done. there's no question about that. Uh, but I think that one's like, do you want a bag of footballs too? Yeah. Like, we'll send anything uh, yeah, you want. Yeah. Whoa, there. I I think when you see the report from Albert Breer, where where that price seems just <laughs> crazy, and I think most people out there, their initial instinct is like, no way is that price tag that high. I'll tell you right now, I think that's the starting point for a trade because I and this goes back to what I was saying a couple weeks ago of why if I'm the Packers I wait this situation out as long as I can because you have all the power you wait until whatever the first games usually start like the first week of September you wait until then yeah until Aaron Rodgers is sitting out and then you lose you're still getting this 
You know you are not. I, 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 let me let me let me correct myself. You don't lose all your leverage, but you definitely lose some leverage. No, because, because he's going to show up to play. Who? If, no, if the no, that's what I'm saying. He's not. I'm, what I'm saying is, if he's not showing up to play, and it starts, it, it starts being. You know what it is? It starts being a game of chicken. In in the same way that like. Yeah, but uh, you're acting like if he gets traded, he wouldn't go play for the team he gets traded to. He doesn't want to play for the Packers. No, but so but so in the same way. Okay, I granted, I'm going to throw this out there, and I know that it's different. Okay, so do not chat. Chastise me too much, but hear me out. But in a similar type of sense, it is somewhat in the realm of like the Nolan Arenado thing. And the reason I say that is it's a game of chicken. You have a player who is intent on not playing another game with your team. Okay. Every other GM out there knows it, right? Once that reaches the point where he is sitting out and literally foregoing salary, right? I mean, it's becoming a possibility. At that point, the other teams start realizing, hey, they're going to trade him because they want to get something from him. They're, they're going to want to get something from Aaron Rodgers. If Aaron Rodgers is really going to retire and they're going to get nothing, they are good. that price tag is going to go down. They're losing a little bit but of leverage if they I wait too long. I don't agree with your overall it's logic a to it. Yeah, I, I think in theory, in most situations, you are correct. But all it takes is a bidding war between two or three teams. And I promise you, there will be yeah, two or three it's teams. It's going to be a high price tag either way. But I think you lose well, a little bit. That's well, Le'Veon Bell played that game all year uh, a few years ago. And let me look up real quick what Le'Veon Bell got, was traded to the Jets for. Was he traded? I thought it was ultimately he was just let go and he signed with I the Jets. I thought too. I could be wrong. Uh, I know he got a lot less than he was asking for from the Steelers and then uh, ended up getting cut by the Jets. And I think the Steelers... I. I, I would we all agree the Steelers won that game of chicken? Yeah, I mean, but you're talking about a running back, obviously. It is a very different situation. But you know what? To your point, somebody's going to pay a high price for him no matter what, right? So it's a little bit different. But but at the end of the day, um, I do think that if you're talking about the peak price, right? The peak price for Aaron Rodgers is going to be, A, in enough time to integrate him into a new team, right? Before before teams are kind of like, hey, we're going with what we got, right? And then B, before it gets to the point where Aaron Rodgers is actually sitting out games. Because I think when you reach that point, the price goes down a bit. That's all I'm saying. If, if I'm the Packers, though, that the, the juice is worth the squeeze, right? It's worth the risk to push it in the hopes that we can turn this situation around and Aaron Rodgers is still willing to play for the Green Bay Packers because it's possible. then they are, I would say, a top three off the top of my head Super Bowl contender if the green if he's playing for the Green Bay Packers. Yeah. Uh, so just to correct myself, Le'Veon Bell that that was his uh, final contract year that he sat out. Yeah. So he was a free agent when he signed with. He the wanted Bulls. like. I mean, he got paid, but he wanted like ten, fifteen mil. I think he got offered ten and said no. By the Steelers, yeah. So the contract he wanted he, like twenty mil. The si- contract he signed with the Jets uh, after free agency was fifty two and a half million, or four years, fifty two and a half million so with thirty five million guaranteed. I think the answer is the Jets lost. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. I think the answer is Le'Veon Jets, Bell and the Pittsburgh Steelers Jets ended up shelling out won. like thirty five mil for so that nothing. that put him at uh, let's see. I, th- I think it's uh, there were no losers other than the Jets so he in was, that deal. He was making thirteen and a quarter million dollars a year All right. when they signed him. Well, there we go. Okay, lesson: don't pay running backs. That's true. Pay okay. whatever you have to to get your franchise quarterback. Yeah, yeah. I see. See, the running back is like the uh, like like a utility hammer, right? In the tool belt, 
right? Yeah, uh, you're going to just run that thing and eventually it's going to break and you're just, what are you going to do? You're going to go out and you're going to get another cheap hammer. Yeah, don't don't buy an going. expensive hammer because no, it's going to be the buys same job as a cheap hammer. hammer because it's going to more or less be the same. Like, yes, the $400 hammer will be a little bit nicer, no doubt, but can you get the job done with I have a hammer, I, I shit you not. It is 5 inches tall. Five inches, and it gets the job done. All right, but you can't really get like a swing behind the hammer. That's five uh, inches. You know what? It, its name is Thor, and oh. it gets the job done. That's all Connor, I'm gonna say. On we that don't matter, need to so. know what happens in your bedroom. Oh wow! Okay? All right, I think that, <laughs> that five-inch hammer. Oh wow! All right, on that note, we're going to call that a wrap for this show here, guys. Follow Uh, us on Twitter. Yes, please follow (laughs) us on Twitter. We're going to be staying on top of the NBA, the NHL playoffs as they come up at Red Rock Sports 1. Until next week, let's go Nuggets. Let's go Avalanche. Give us a couple of big Ws. Give us something good to talk about for next week.